Amen. Yeah. Yeah. How is everybody doing this morning? Okay, that was about three or four of you. How is everybody doing this morning? Amen. Amen. There we go. Now we go. There you go. Yes, yes. Now, now, now I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are still in our sermonette series. So I like, I like that a lot, to tell you the truth. Because of the fact that, as I have explained before, that most of the time a pastor, in the morning service, he gives a message. And then he, you know, let us say, he talks about forgiveness. And we talked about forgiveness a few weeks ago. And then it takes a while before he's going to talk about forgiveness again. You know, but we need to be reminded more often than that. So I like the sermonette ideas because, and I'm not going to do that forever, but, but um, uh, for a little bit. So then, for example, this morning, I can stress to you a little bit about marriage. But I don't have to spend the whole time on marriage. Because, and that's good because not everybody that's here is married necessarily. So then it wouldn't apply to them that much, although it would apply to them maybe in the future or whatever. Um, but then we can talk about something else as well. And, and so we have, we have covered two things. Sometimes we might cover three things. Sometimes it might be, just like we did with forgiveness, it might be the whole time. Um, but so I, I, like, I like that idea a lot. We don't have to say everything about it because even when you give a full sermon, you won't say everything about it. Um, and and, and it, things bear repetition, right? Uh, people that are in, in, in teaching and in education and in sports and in coaching, they know how important repetition is. And for some reason, Christians, they always want something new. They haven't accomplished the thing that they've been, they've been talking about before, but they want something new. Um, so uh, you, you bear with me as we, we, we go through these things. So we've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about talking, how we should talk as Christians. How do we talk to one another? Uh, there is a way of doing it right and a way of doing it wrong. Um, we talked about stewardship. We talked about worship. We talked about love. We talked about pleasing God versus pleasing self. Uh, the beauty that God values. We talked about forgiveness, joy. The problem is the other person, which it's not. It's just the title of the sermon. Hospitality, last time, friendship. We talked about family and some of the things that are conducive to making family better. We talked about marriage a little bit. And then today, we are going to talk about a little bit about marriage and a little bit more about wisdom. So, marriage. The thing that I would like to talk about this morning is that as that if you are a married person, that you're a couple, you're, you're, that, you, that you become one, a team, a unit. Um, let me just say right off the bat that nothing of what I'm saying this morning or that I'm asking or that I'm teaching you can do in your own strength. It is impossible. You cannot live the Christian life in your own strength. 
the Christian life, and the word Christian is the word Christ. Christ must be in there and giving you the power to do it or else it won't happen. It is possible that you live like a Christian without living the Christian life. So, or what I call the Christ life. Um, And it is he who supplies all the power for us to be able to do what he's asking. Because, as it says in in, uh, Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, it is Christ who lives in me, and so on and so forth. It is always about Christ, that he can do the things that he wants us to do. And without him, you can't do it. So, about marriage, to, to become a team. I wrote a little book called One Plus One Equals One. And, and, and so it is, that the two people are becoming one. Whoa, that's been a while. Yes, the two people are becoming one, one team. Uh, the subtitle to the book is Marriage Greater Than the Sum of Its Parts. Marriage greater than the sum of its parts. So marriage is not just a thing that you put two people together. They, they need to become one. They need to become a team. They need to become a unit. And that team thing is super important. Super important. You, you remember the first dream team? Uh, this, is, this is some repetition, right? And, and, but some people may, have, may, may not have heard it yet. The dream team. This was... The first time that America, yay, the dream team, check it out. Yeah, whoo, look at those, <laughs> look at those, those, those superstars, huh? Look, where's, where's Michael? Uh, huh? Uh, there, there he is, there he is, okay. Yeah, so, so uh, these were the best pro basketball players in the game, in the world. This is, see, this is the first time that the American professionals, we're going to play against the Russian professionals. But the Russian professionals, they had been playing as amateurs for a long time already. So uh, uh, we had the first. So now, the, the coach, he arranged some practice games, right? You have, you have, you're not a team yet. You're just a bunch of great players together. And these best players in the world would practice against good college teams I would barely beat them. Why? Because they were not a team yet. It takes a while to become a team. A lot of practicing together, understanding, understanding one another, blah, 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 blah. Spending time together and so on. So it is also with a husband and wife. It takes time to become a team. But a team you must become to make, to maximize what God has for you. And God has some real special things for you. One of those things is that you represent them here on earth. That the way that a husband loves with, walks with his wife would represent how Christ loves the church. So in essence, the husband is portraying the love of Christ to the world. And God's in it. And husbands, like I said before, there's no way you can love your wife like Christ of the church on your own. It ain't going to happen. Christ will do it through you. And he wants to. And he, has, he is more greatly committed than you'll ever be. Amen. That you walk like Christ. He wants to help you. He doesn't say, hey, listen. This is a nice uh, uh, wedding ceremony. Okay, guys. You know, husband. 
You go love your wife like the rest of the church. I see you later. You're on your own. Bye-bye. No, no. He's in there. He's involved. He is more committed than you are to make this thing work and to make it work right and to be a testimony of the love of Christ to the world, to become a team. So then, so one, once these guys became a team, they went to the Olympics and they won Olympic gold. My dear brothers and sisters, that's what God has for you as husband and wife. To win Olympic gold. Not to settle for the city championship. But for the world championship. That you be an influence to the world. Win Olympic gold. Well, that was just a little nugget uh, on marriage. You understand that Jesus is teaching that every kingdom that is divided against itself will be brought to desolation. Every kingdom, every kingdom that is divided against itself will, will go to pot, will go to pieces. Uh, every church, every marriage, every house, every kingdom, every relationship that is divided against itself, it can't survive. You have to become one, a team, a unit. In, a, in such a thing, uh, when, when people become a team, and husband and wife will be, God will help you to become a better team than they were. Yeah, because it doesn't matter for most pros, most pros, they are out for themselves, even though they're part of a team. And they do their best to be a real team player, but they're looking about, you know, in the next 10 years, I want to make so many millions. Okay? And if he's not going to help me, I think I'm going, I'm going over here, whatever the situation might be. So although they do their best to be a team, it is difficult for them to be a real team player. But for husband and wife, with the help of the Holy Spirit, yeah. Yeah. You see, when you're a real team, it is about the other person. My life, where is my baby? Wave at us there. Wave at us. Wave at us. That's my wife, Sybil. My life is about her. Period. That's all there is to it. It's not about me. It's about her, and it's about her happiness. And I'm flawed, just like everybody else is flawed. So I'm not that great at it. I'm doing my very best before the Lord to be good and better and better. And I always ask him, Lord, teach me. To love my wife like Christ loved the church. More and more so, Lord. More and more so. So it's not about her being perfect. (laughs) Actually, it is more about her being imperfect. Let me explain. I'll be quick to say that I'm more imperfect than she is. I'm more flawed than she is. But if she were perfect, it wouldn't take anything for me to love her. Right? How do you not love a perfect person? Right? But when a flaw shows up, God says, hey, this is your opportunity to learn to love her more. You want to just get upset. But no, you're going to love her more. And 
Anyways. <laughs> when you love her more, then you can you lo love your brothers and your sisters more. Okay. Now we're going to talk about wisdom. Woo! Why talk about wisdom? Well, I, I, I was wondering if I should explain a little bit why, why we talk about wisdom. Um, and I think we need to talk about wisdom and explain why we, should, we ought to talk about wisdom. wisdom. Because there is a direct relationship between wisdom and victory in your life. You do a, a bunch of stupid things, it won't be much victory. You do a bunch of wise things, maybe a bunch of victory. The, the, the more wisdom that you uh, obtain, the more victory you have in your life. And I use the word obtain on purpose because wisdom is more obtained than it is attained. Because in James, the, the first chapter says, if a man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives you liberally. So it is not that you can work up a bunch of wisdom. Though, with some experiences and so on and so forth, with prayer, then yeah, okay. But God wants to give you wisdom. So my admonition this morning is, that when you feel like you're lacking wisdom, ask God. He wants to give it to you. And he doesn't just give it to you, hey, listen, you know what? I'll give you some change. No. He's, uh, James says he gives it to us liberally. Why are you so serious? This is, this is good stuff. Liberally. Um, so... What kind of wisdom are we talking about? We're talking about godly wisdom. That's not the only wisdom there is in the world. So, to, 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 to see what we're talking about, let's go to James, uh, the third chapter, verses 14 through 17, and, and see what it has to say over there. So, it is important that we understand that there is godly wisdom and there is earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom is just that. It is earthly. And James says it's earthly, it is sensual, and it is devilish. Now, I don't want that wisdom. What I want is godly wisdom. And the source for earthly wisdom is not heaven. The source for godly wisdom is heaven. God. Or uh, James in some translations calls it the wisdom from above. The wisdom from above. That's what I want. I don't want, I don't want wisdom that comes from a source other than God. I want wisdom that comes from God. Who's got greater wisdom than God? The Bible doesn't say it like this, but I think that it says it sort of, sort of like that. Of course, God cannot be stupid by definition. But if he were doing something stupid, his stupidity would be wiser than all man's wisdom put together in the whole universe. 
Sometimes we think he's stupid because we don't understand him. We can't understand why he would do such a thing. We can't understand why he would give his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross many times. Sometimes we come to an understanding. We, many times we can't understand why he would give his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross to die for us. From the point of view that does it make sense? Well, to me it makes sense now. But people had to explain that to me. <laughs> then it didn't make sense. Why me? Why would he do that for me? Who am I? A worm. Why would he do that for me? Well, that was perplexing to me for, for a period of time. Now, I, I understand why. I'm still a worm. But he loves this worm. And it's because of his love that he did it. And I understand. So we have early wisdom. Early wisdom, like I said, is early. That's to say, it, as its source, it has a secular ideas. The, the early stuff. It is sensual in that it it comes from the senses, the emotions many times, not from God. It, 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 and it's devilish many times uh, instigated or thought of by the enemy. And he is even able, the enemy, to make his wisdom look very attractive. The reason why I know that it's because he attracts a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people go with his wisdom. My dear brothers and sisters, even when there is godly wisdom available, many people, let alone people of God, let alone Christians, go with early wisdom instead of godly wisdom. Is the, am I alone in this experience? Okay. Okay, okay. I thought maybe somebody would say amen or something, whatever. I don't, I don't know. Uh, it wasn't that good news, but uh, uh, <laughs> it was true nevertheless. <laughs> so, you know, when you're talking about receiving wisdom and, and, and accepting wisdom and learning from wisdom, then many times I have to look to the young people. Because they are young, Right? Uh, would you say they're young and a little bit inexperienced? So maybe they, have, uh, they haven't been Christians that long and they have not that much, that, that much discernment yet and somebody can trip them up. I resent it when somebody trips up my young people. Amen. I don't resent them. I resent the fact that that happens. And I resent the enemy for it. Ruining young people's lives. Trying to anyways. Uh, So, one of the reasons that I know that uh, the enemy has a large audience, even among Christians, is because of my limited experience. I just... The other day, um, 
started working with a Christian couple devoted to the Lord. But they are in a funk. And they are going to secular counseling. Well, uh, if you want to take piano lessons from somebody secular, okay. If you want soccer lessons, okay. If you want math, okay. But when it comes to spiritual things, brothers and sisters, they have nothing from God to offer you. A close friend of mine went for counseling to a secular counselor. He had some issues with his, with his wife. I'm sorry, his wife went, went for counseling. And um, the counselor told her, well, I got some good news for you. By the time you're through with me, you wouldn't want him in your life anymore. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> we came to you to put us closer together. And you want us to get further apart. What kind of counseling is that? Well, it's garbage counseling. Uh, so that's what I'm talking about. You know, you need, to, you need to get some counseling from the word of God. If you don't know such a counselor, then go to the word of God. Ask God to show you some things in the word of God that apply to you. Amen. And he'll do it. And he'll do it. So, then let us look at the results of this, this wisdom that is earthly. Uh, did we have the verses up? Okay. All right. Um, so, I'll give them to you. Uh, okay. So, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Verse 15 says, this wisdom does not descend from above. It doesn't come from above. It's not descending at all. It's here already. But it is early, sensual, and demonic. Verse 16 says this. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and evil and every evil thing are there. This is the result of, of earthly wisdom. Envy, strife. I give you, I give you a, 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 a more complete list. Envying, jealousy, selfish ambition, strife, disorder, unrest, rebellion, confusion, every evil work, morally degrading practices. That comes from early wisdom. That comes from early wisdom. So now, let me ask you this. Is that, is that the results that you want in your life? And goes on to say, but heavenly wisdom or the wisdom from above, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and so on and so forth. So it goes, and we've talked about this before, but, you know, it's, it's wisdom. So we're always looking for wisdom. So the wisdom that is from above is first pure. So if you go to somebody for wisdom, 
for counseling, whether it is that there is two sisters that have a, that have a, 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 a tiff and, 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 and you need to settle things, that the, 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 if I'm going to bring wisdom to the situation, the first thing that is required is that I come from a pure heart. That I come with a pure heart. That is the number one of important things. If, if my heart is not pure, none of the other factors matter. I can be gentle as a dove, but I'm, I'm not coming from a, a, a pure motivation. So the word first is not that it just happens to be the first one on the list. It is the first one of importance. Pure. And peaceable. Peaceable. That is to say that the wisdom that is from above is looking for peace. It comes in a peaceable fashion. Peaceable. I won't spend a lot of time there because we've already talked about it. I'll just briefly. Gentle. So, we're talking about the sisters over here. They have a tiff. And I come, boom, 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 boom. No, no. I'm coming gentle. Sisters. I, I just want to listen with you for a little while about this thing. You know that God? You know, that's that's how, how you approach this thing. Gentle. In a gentle fashion. You don't, you don't jack up the emotions even more than they already are. Put them more on edge. You just, you just come gently. Willing to yield or uh, easy to be entreated. The idea of easy to be entreated has the idea of that um, you come for treaty. You come for peace. But you come also, and, and that's the other uh, meaning of it, willing to listen. Willing to listen. You don't come with the idea that you're already prejudiced or biased in the situation. You come to listen to what's going on. You come full of mercy and good fruit. You come full of mercy. You are coming to bring compassion in the situation. Not only that you come and you bring mercy to the table, but you're coming to, to, to share mercy with them that they themselves might be merciful with each other. Instead of holding grudges, they're forgiving. They're easily forgiving. Merciful, full of compassion and good fruit. Without partiality and without hypocrisy. That's the two end words there. Without partiality, without hypocrisy. <laughs> if you came with partiality, there's no godly wisdom there whatsoever. If you came with hypocrisy, forget it. That is godly wisdom. That is what you want, I know. But sometimes we get tripped up by the enemy. And he sells us a, a different a box of goods. Okay, let's, let's, let's go on. So these are also some of the results that you have, right? There's purity. You bring that to the table and, and peaceable. And you bring gentleness and, and these type of things. So 
Um, that is certainly what I would want uh, if I'm going to ask somebody's counsel. Then we'll go to the, the book of wisdom. In some places, the, the book of Proverbs is called the book of wisdom. Should I realize that? Because the main emphasis in the book of Proverbs is wisdom. In my Bible, when you go to the, the book of Proverbs, the subtitle is the book of wisdom. The, the, the main theme is wisdom. Wisdom. So let us read a little bit in, in, uh, in, in, in the book of Proverbs. Um, Like I said in my introduction, that wisdom and victory have a direct relationship. The more wisdom, the more victory in your life. The less, the less. So, a a wise decision does not only bring victory to the situation. A wise decision also uh, keeps you from... Defeat. Or a wise decision can not only rescue you out of a situation, it can also keep you from going into the situation. Are you with me? And I'll give you a few examples here after a little while uh, uh, if if you're patient with me. So sometimes uh, an unwise decision has long-term consequences. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. Take a drunk driver. He didn't mean, mean to kill anybody, but he was stupid for driving in the first place when you have been drinking. I, I commit to any of y'all, including you young people, if you have been drinking, you have permission to call me. I don't care what time of the night it is. I'll come get you. I'll come get you. Why didn't you call a taxi? Well, I don't have any money. Okay, I'm glad I'm here. I'm coming to get you. I'll take you home. I'll wake up my wife. We brush our teeth real quick. And we run away to pick you up. Stick a piece of gum in your mouth, of course. You don't want to blow anybody else away. Because with the alcoholic breath, they're going to blow you away. So you may as well have a little chewing gum in your mouth yourself. Uh, so, but then there's sometimes there are more uh, uh, innocent decisions. Stupid, but innocent. Okay? Somebody offers you a joint at a, at a, at a party, and, and you say, you know what? I've never done it before. I, I, I'm going to try it. No, that's the wrong, that's the wrong posture. <laughs> <laughs> you gave it you gave it away like this your first time. He doesn't mean any harm. He, he he just doesn't want to look bad with his friends. And he says, you know, this is gonna be my first time or last time. And then three years later he's a junkie. He doesn't want to be a junkie. But he made a stupid decision. Some decisions are just stupid. Sometimes, you know, there's other decisions that are being made 
that, that people are not thinking that this is going to have much of an effect, but if you think it's going to have a, be, a bad effect in the first place, don't do it. Think. Ask some questions. Because bad decisions are made very readily. Can sneak up, up on you just like that. Uh, 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 somebody has a, how do you call those things? A cell phone. And those cell phones, they take pictures. Somebody sells, sends pictures of themselves all over the place. That doesn't mean any harm. Facebook. Somebody makes a stupid comment on Facebook that haunts them for the rest of their life. And it doesn't go away. And it's in China in seconds. All of China also knows it. And also, you go look for a job later on, and is that not, is that not the lady or the gentleman that said these ugly things on Facebook? And I, I, we're going to pass on her. We're going to pass on him. So, I, I'm just saying, folks, be wise. Don't, don't. The, the, the thing about it is also is this, that it seems, and, and I, I'm not telling you that this is the truth, but it seems from little experience that I have that one stupid decision leads to another stupid decision. And to another stupid decision. This was certainly true in a guy's life that in the Bible says that he had God loved him. Yet, when he's supposed to be at war, he's chilling there in the, in the, in the castle. And he thinks, well, you know what, this is about the time that women bathe sometimes and let me just go on the balcony and check things out a little bit. And boy, he sees this beautiful woman there. He inquires who this is. This is the wife of one of his most sterling soldiers. Which is beautiful. And he sends for her. Like we talked in Sunday school, kings could do that in those days. Send for her. And you know the rest of the story. And then he had to lie, ultimately murdered, and, and, and whatever else, and disappointed God. But it had a, even someone like that who had his heart set on God could do something like that. So don't you think for a moment that you're exempt from temptation or exempt from deception. I'm telling you, you guard your heart with all your might. Lest you fall in a trap. And it's easily done. That's why I say, if I say, get the heck away, is that the bad word? Okay, okay. 
Well, get the heck away <laughs> from that situation. Don't send for her. You see her? Turn around and go the other direction as fast as you can. And put, you know, what they put for the horses? Blindness. One time I was talking to a lady. Well, I talked to ladies many times, but this one time. <laughs> At some party. And she stood in front of me. And I forget if the dress line was by her navel <laughs> or, or wherever it was. I, I didn't look long enough to see if it was at the navel or a little bit above or a little bit below. I don't know. And, and, and you know, I, for the horses, you put blinders over here. I wanted a blinder over here. <laughs> because every time I looked down, ah! <laughs> and it seemed like she was following me wherever I was going. I couldn't get away from her. <laughs> yeah, the enemy is always making some sort of a presentation. Let us look at uh, Proverbs 1, verses 2 through 6. I want to give you, you're going to see it on the screen. We're going to read it from the screen. Then I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible to you as well to get, to get an idea. Why did Solomon write the book of Proverbs? And this is what he says. To know skillful and godly wisdom and instruction. That, 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 is what, that is part of what he wrote the book for. So that we might avail ourselves of skillful and godly wisdom and instruction to discern and comprehend, not just comprehend it, but also discernment. Discernment is, is, is more than comprehension. Comprehension, it is presented to you, and you have to deal with it in your brain and comprehend what is being said. Discernment, it is not presented to you in that clearer fashion. It is sort of like between the lines or in the shadows or whatever, and you have to discern what it is saying. Right? It is sort of like this. When you, when, you, when you feel like your wife is a little bit maybe upset and, or, or she's a little quiet and you say, honey, what's the matter? And she says, I- I'm tired. It's not because she's tired. You have to read between the lines. It's because she's tired of you. <laughs> read between the lines. It's not because she's tired. You know, use some discernment. And maybe go wash those dishes real quick. <laughs> At least, uh, you know, offer a, an olive branch of some sort. <laughs> Honey, would you like some coffee? <laughs> that, uh, discernment. To discern and comprehend the words of understanding, the words of understanding and insight. Verse 3. To receive instruction in wise behavior and the discipline of wise thoughtfulness. Righteousness, justice, and integrity. 
to receive instruction in wise behavior and the discipline of wise thoughtfulness, righteousness, justice, and integrity. Verse 4 says this. That produce good judgment. So, so you have these other things, so they produce something. That produce good judgment, astute common sense, may be given to the naive or inexperienced. So, you say, well, I was naive. No, 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 no. He wrote these things so also for you. For you to get an understanding. Naive as you think that you are. Or inexperienced. We just talked about maybe the young people are a little bit less experienced. Maybe a little bit more inexperienced. Then, but yet, this is for them too. They're easily misled. It's not just the young people who are easily misled, folks. We all are. It can happen just like that. Just like that. So be on your guard. Guard your heart. Don't go in the places where it is easy to slip. Yesterday on, the, on our patio, you know, the, 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 moisture, the, the, the air was full of moisture. So it settled there on the patio, this tile, and Sybil walked out of the house, and she warned me, says, honey, when you come out, because I was going to leave after a little while, uh, be careful here with, with the patio, it's slick. So she warned me, like Solomon is warning us. Hey, listen, it's slick out there. So, hey, be, 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 be careful. And if you don't have to go there, don't go there. But don't come like flying out of the house and say, oh, I'm going to bam, and you fall on your behind and, and, and you hurt yourself. That is so often how often people live their lives. Like they're not going to slip. When somebody warned them, yet they just as if nobody warned them. Uh, mis- they're easily misled. And knowledge and discretion, intelligent discernment to I didn't say it. Don't, don't look at me and like, oh, Pastor, you're on my case. No, 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 no. This is Solomon saying it. Verse 5. The wise, check this out. The wise will hear and increase their learning. And the person of understanding will acquire wise counsel and the skill to steer his course wisely and lead others to the truth. My dear brothers and sisters, in my broken and inadequate way, this is what I'm trying to do this morning, is to tell you the truth. Broken as it is on my, on my part. Verse 6. To understand the proverb and the figure of speech, and the figure of this is one, once again the, the, the discernment thing, right? Somebody uses, or a proverb is using a figure of speech. And the discernment, the wisdom that God wants to give you, is for you to be able to discern what is it saying. And the words of the wise and their riddles that require reflection. So it's uh, the wise. They have ways of saying things, and they are not riddles to you. 
because of the wisdom that God has given you. So let me, let me look over here real quick. So the, the, the book of Proverbs is basically an invitation to victorious living. An invitation to victorious living. Um, I'm going to jump ahead real quick, then I come back. I would like for us to look at, at verse 1. 7b. Verse 1, 7b. And remember once again, I didn't say it. It was Solomon. Okay. <laughs> you blame Solomon. Do you understand? A 7. Sorry, I, I probably didn't give it to, to him, so he's checking it out. He's looking it up for us. Um, sometimes I just don't know what I'm doing. And, I count on Peter to help me out and Sybil to help me out. and uh, I didn't give him all the verses or something. But it talks in 7b, just as it talked about here earlier about what Solomon meant for us to get out of the book of Proverbs. And, and if you are a wise person, you will increase your learning and your understanding. And here it says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge. But, that's one of my favorite words over there. But, fools despise wisdom and instruction. So let us say somebody gives you good, wise counsel. And you receive it and you're learning from it. What is Solomon saying that you are? Don't ask me that question. Why? Tell me. I'm asking you. I'm asking you the question. What? 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 Wise. What an exclamation mark. But he says, if you despise wisdom and instruction, some people, when you give them wise instruction, do y'all know body language? Well, let me ask you this. When they go, what does that mean? They didn't have to say a word, right? <laughs> they look with their eyes in the inside of their head. Or something. A clear sign they don't want to receive that, that, that wisdom. And, and if, if you are despising that wisdom and that instruction, I didn't say it. Solomon said it under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So ultimately the Holy Spirit said it. They say you're a fool. I quickly put the blame on them. <laughs> they say you're a fool. I think you're a fool too. It is foolish. You give somebody a, a counsel and they say to you, well, I want to learn from my own mistakes. Really? If I tell you that here is, here is a track, a train track, and there's a train coming, and if you lay on the track over here, you're going to be dead. Well, I want to learn from all. 
See how silly that is? It's foolish. If I have already made the mistake, I have experienced it, and I've learned a bunch of things from it, and I come to you, Herman, and I say, Herman, don't do it. I have done it. This was the result. So uh, well, I want to try it myself. <laughs> and see if I have the same results. So, now we're going to, I told you we're going to come back. So, uh, we're, going to, we're going to run through some of the scriptures and, 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 and see. So, I'm going to give you the benefits of wisdom. And I'll just read them to you and I'll give you the reference, okay? If you want to write them down, you're welcome to it. I can make copies of this if, if you want me to, whatever. Uh, by the way, my notes, somebody asked me some time ago about my notes. I just, I have them on my computer. I just go like, poof, forward. And they're gone. They're, they're, they're in your computer now. So if anybody wants notes, you're welcome to them. Uh, don't write my book, though. I mean, <laughs> I write my book. <laughs> uh, so benefits of wisdom. Verse 133. If you want to mark it down, you can read. Safety and no fear of evil. If you're a wise person, If you uh, attain unto wisdom, then you will have, you'll be safe and you will have no fear of evil. Okay? That's why I can't understand why people would, would ever sell drugs. Do you know that if you sell drugs and you're successful? Guess what? Somebody else who sells drugs wants your business. No? Is that a fair statement? Oh, it's all over the place. Your number two guy wants your business. And you have to always look over your shoulder. Not only for the number two guy and the number three, but the guy that's going to talk to the police about you. Always looking over your shoulder. Okay? So that is, so you, no fear. Save and no fear. You'll have discretion, discernment, mature and sound judgment. And this will be good protection for you. That is chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. This, this, this idea was preceded by the idea that if you pursue wisdom... And this is what's going to be part of your life. Uh, 2.12, this is the the next step. The the deliverance uh, of the way of evil men. So, some evil men have convinced you to go in with them. Yes? And you're, you're walking with them, you're running with them. Now, somebody is speaking some wisdom in your head. And in your heart. And that wisdom will help you get out of that situation. Not only that. Wisdom. If you had had wisdom in the first place. You wouldn't have gotten into this situation. And this is also true. But I don't know. I forget when exactly it shows up. Uh, uh, Deliverance. Not just for the evil man. But also from the strange woman. 
strange woman. Whatever you want to call her, she is not your wife. <laughs> she might be a, a woman in the streets. It, it really doesn't matter. But you find yourself in that web, and somebody comes speaks wisdom to you, and if you receive that wisdom, it says that you'll find a way out. You'd want a way out. But if you had wisdom in the first place, you wouldn't find yourself in that web. So it both can deliver you from it and keep you from getting into it. Uh, it will keep you on the path of righteousness. I'm sorry, I, that, the previous one, the strange woman was 2.16. It will keep you on the path of righteousness. Wisdom will help you make good decisions and therefore will help you live your Christian life. 2.20. Making wise decisions will bring you happiness, 3.13. And it will bring a long and good life, riches, not necessarily silver and gold, but I, I tell people all the time, Walden Old Baptist Church is a rich church, but we don't have any money. We are rich in another way. So this is not all, all about uh, uh, gold and silver. It's, it's about richness. Honor, pleasantness, and grace. So you'll have a life uh, that is uh, a, a long and good life. Riches, honor, pleasantness, and grace. All things that I, I want. 3, 16, and 17. The wisdom and good choices bring a good life with riches that go beyond material things. It, wisdom gives you a tree of life. 318. Our wisdom is a tree of life. 318. Think about what a tree provides. This is what you are to other people. Safety, shade, shelter, protection, on and on and on. Wisdom will bring you life and grace. 322. Wisdom will be like a pendant of gold around your neck, as you can see in verse 19. Wisdom is very attractive and decorative to your life. Wisdom will cause you to walk safely without stumbling. 323. 324 says that you will have no fear and you will have sweet sleep. My dear brothers and sisters, I have sweet sleep. Unfortunately, it is rarely long enough. But man, I have sweet sleep. I don't wrestle in my sleep. I don't wrestle with anybody in my sleep. I don't wrestle with myself in my sleep. I don't wrestle with the pillow in my sleep, with the mattress in my sleep. My only problem is I cannot just have one position. I usually start on my back, but lately I've started to my left. And then I sleep on my back for a while. Sybil says, you must not sleep on your back as much as you used to because you don't snore as much. Well, praise the Lord. Maybe we have the white noise. Maybe we have the white noise loud enough <laughs> you don't hear me. But, <laughs> but, you know, 
Then I wake up about 4 o'clock in the morning. I run to the bathroom really quick and I come back. My bed, and then I pray for a while. Pray for some of you and some other people. Most of all, I pray for my wife and my kids and my grandkids. First of all. And I'm on my back. Usually my hands are on my head over here and I'm praying. And I'm looking over to my right. Ah. Uh, that is my wife. She also has a sweet sleep. And I thank God for her. God, thank you for giving me such a beautiful wife. And such a precious, special wife, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would teach me to love her more and more and more. All the time. And Lord, I thank you for Joshua. And I thank you for Kara. Last night I was praying for Joshua because he's preaching this morning. He said, Lord, just give him unction of the Holy Spirit that he might put the place on fire. That the people might really get something out of it that will change their lives. Thank you for Kara, his beautiful bride. She sings so pretty. Thank you for giving her this beautiful voice. And she has such a, a quick laugh. Thank you for her laugh. And Lord, I, I, I lift up uh, 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 Jonathan and, 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 and Naomi and, and Benjamin and Stephen. Lord, thank you, Lord, for Nate. Oh, the magnet. He attracts people. He's such a loving guy. And his wife, she's a warrior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for her. And thank you for Nathan. And thank you for Sammy. And thank you, Lord. I, I have a real burden for Sammy, Lord. Uh, thank you that you saved his life there when he was first born. Thank you for Jaden and Jaxie. Oh, Lord, how I love Jaxie. And, Lord, thank you so much for my daughter, Micah. Lord, she strayed away from you for a while, but she has tied with you now, Lord Jesus. Thank you for that. How she loves you. How, 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 how she has grace in her heart. And, and Lord, thank you for that because she's sharing with these women that need grace, Lord. And thank you for Chris, her husband. Such a brilliant Bible teacher. And thank you for, Lord, for Ethan and the talent that you've given him. And thank you for Shiloh. Oh, that precious, sweet princess. And thank you, Lord, for Sophia, who throws a fit on the top of her head. But, Lord, she is so loving. Teach me, Lord, whatever influence I have on her, teach me, Lord, to, to teach her, to coach her, to be patient with her, to point out to her all the good things that she has. And thank you for little Ezra. May they all be warriors for Jesus when they grow up, Lord. And Lord, thank you for the church that you have given me oversight over. I thank you, Lord, for the people there. They are so, Lord, they are so easy to love. And when people ask me, what are you doing? What do you do? I say, I, I love loving people. This is not a difficult thing. Lord, I don't love them because you say so, Father. That's part of the deal. But Lord, 
They are so easy to love. They make it easy. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I want to lift up these couples. Huh? Then I fall asleep. <laughs> An hour and a half later, I wake up again. Lord, okay, I was, where was I? <laughs> I want to pray for this one and this one and this one and this one. And their marriage. And their, their marriage, Lord. And Lord, at this, he has such a willing spirit and such an open heart to receive the things from you, Lord. Would you fill him with yourself? I have to be careful. Because usually after that I fall asleep, I can't do that right now. <laughs> the Lord is good. I have sweet sleep. But, you know, when I go to bed, I'm, I'm out. I don't rest a lot. I have sweet sleep. It's about 3 or 4 o'clock that, you know, that I wake up and that I want to start doing some things. Writing down some things. The Lord is good. I say one more thing, then we're through. Remember, some weeks ago, we talked about the book of Colossians, chapter 2, and this is what it says in chapter 2 of Colossians. It says that in him, Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There is no wisdom out of him, outside of him. He is the wisdom of God. And then Paul goes on to say, This I say to you, so that not any man shall beguile you and trip you up. And this I say to you this morning, that people out there won't trip you up with their beguilement and their, their language and their their, their, their sneaky business and their, their tricky language and the persuasive tongue that you would stay on the wisdom of God and live your life that way.